Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. My name is Seth Everett, but you knew that because you downloaded it. This is episode 179. And when I say that this is a podcast about friends, I go back decades with this guy. Um, I first met him when he was on Sirius XM's Howard Stern channel. I used to come on as a guest, and then they got me to actually fill in for him, which was amazing. We, we've known each other through the years, and we've done SNY together. And supposedly, I was wearing a necklace one day, and, well, the rest is history. Scott Farrell is now with CBS Sports Radio. He is an icon in this radio industry. He's been doing syndicated radio for decades. I met him the first time was in Denver, Colorado, when he showed up at the sports column wearing a Detroit Red Wings jersey in front of a scathing Colorado Avalanche fans. Those are my memories of Scott Farrell, and he is kind enough to join us here on Sports with Friends. What's up, Farrell? How you doing, buddy? Hey, Guido. I I remember that gig in uh, Denver. I uh, all I remember was leaving that column bar and getting in a uh, stretch limousine, and uh, all I remember was nothing. I got back to my hotel like uh, I think somewhere around thirty five hours later. And everything that happened uh, from the point of me leaving that bar to ending up in a bed in a hotel in Denver uh, was all felonious. Everything that happened was very bad. It was like uh, I could have made a movie over the debauchery that happened on that road trip to the Mile High City. I was a I was a young pup and I was covering the avalanche and I said, wow, who's this guy? And I had heard you on the radio but I thought you were ballsy. I remember you coming in wearing a red Red Wings jersey just to get a rise out of the crowd, right. and uh, just just a, just a great just a great memory. And then over the years, I've just uh, we, we we've been on each other's shows, and I've been on your show, and uh, I you know you've been so kind to me over over the years. But tell me a little bit about it. So 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 take us through the beginning. Uh, you, you 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 did you have a passion for radio, or did you have a passion for sports? What what was the driving thing that got you into this? Uh, I'd say both, Seth. Uh, so literally, I'm not even kidding when I say this. When I was, you know, five years old, I would run around uh, my house uh, pretending to be Howard Cosell. And um, I wanted to be Howard Cosell. It's that simple. I wanted to be a sportscaster. Uh, that's what I, uh, my entire life, uh, you know, I strived for that and I went for it and I dedicated my life to it. Uh, I went to uh, Indiana uh, to be around Bob Knight. Uh, my goal was to get accepted to Indiana and I wanted to be around uh, the general. Uh, I was not afraid of the, uh, you know, all the, the bad things that everyone knew about him. Uh, I considered uh, something that I, I wanted to just taste it. I wanted to see what it was like for myself. I wanted to be around him. I wanted to uh, see if I could be a part of that program in some capacity or another. One thing led to another. I went there. I conned my way into the scene uh, with the Hoosiers, and I, I met the uh, SID, assistant SID at the time. Uh, he would later become the SID and, and then do great things in the business uh, down the road at, at Navy, and he was at Duke, and he was at Indiana. Uh, and I, you know, basically I got a sports director of the big station in town in Bloomington, which was a Chicago owned radio station. And uh, my goal was to meet him and through this kid. And I got that accomplished. So I think I got the one guy some weed 
And then the other guy, I got drunk. And uh, when I took him to, I went to this party and I got him just absolutely hammered. And then once I had him on the hook, Seth, you know me, uh, the rest was history. I got him, uh, I got, I got him wasted. And then the fun started. He took me out on the town. Uh, <laughs> I remember we went and played uh, pool at some bar, some famous bar down there. And then uh, we just went at it hard for like, you know, about a 12 hour stretch. And uh, by the time I was done with him, uh, it was no different than scoring a check. I had him, challenged him, put me on the air. And I told him, you know, I was better than him. And he wanted to punch me in the mouth. And uh, I said, I listened to him and I thought he was great. And I just thought I was better. And then I thought the two of us together would own Bloomington and Indiana sports. And he said, all right, hot shot. Uh, I'll, I'll put you on the air. And, and he put me on the air, which was a huge mistake because uh, I ended up doing, you know, 60 hours a week on the radio. I did the Bob Knight show. Uh, I DJed. Um, I used to uh, bring chicks in there at night and uh, lock the doors to the radio station. I never played the songs I was supposed to play. I played all the uh, rock and roll, Led Zeppelin, uh, from, you know, whatever, ACDC, Billy Idol. I was playing all the, you know, the kinks and I was playing all kinds of crazy, uh, you know, the Ramones. And I, I was supposed to be playing Madonna and I was uh, a, a rebel <laughs> on the radio. And then I got famous pretty quick. And by the time I was done, CBS hired me at, at 23 and I was working at like a 10, 10 wins in New York. It was actually in Pittsburgh. It was KQB 1410. Give us 22 minutes and we'll put you to sleep. But it was where I got my start. Luckily for me, I was able to uh, cover the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mario Lemieux when he got drafted uh, and, and Yager. And uh, I got to see them, you know, win a Stanley Cup, two of them back to back. And then uh, I, I ended up going from there to Chicago. And uh, as they say, the rest is history. From there, I went to uh, Vegas and went national on Sports Entertainment Network. And then CNN hired me. And then I went to KMBR San Francisco. And I did nights. And I was number one there. And then Mel Carmison hired me to do Corellan events on Western So they put me on all the Howard Stern stations. So when Howard was on in mornings, I was on at night. I was on like KLSX Los Angeles, WFAN New York. And uh, it was crazy, uh, Seth, that, you know, they gave me way too much, uh, you know, in terms of scope. And, uh, they let me get away with murder in terms of my uh, insanity. I was absolutely crazy. And I had people like Don Imus telling me, um, you know, don't listen to him. You're, you're a badass. You're number one in New York. Uh, give him the finger. Tell him to Pharrell off. Uh, don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to this suit, that suit. Just do your thing. And I was stupid enough to, uh, I loved him and I listened to him and I probably shouldn't have because, as you know, I'm uh, notoriously famous for being a problem for all of those suits. And I had a horrible reputation with him for my behavior. And then, uh, but it worked. I, I got made and, um, and uh, they all hated my guts. And then fast forward uh, 30 years and I work for the same people today, which is, I, I mean, like, you know, really, Ironic. It's, it's just absolutely unthinkable that I'm still working with uh, guys like Mark Chernoff, because it was Joel Hollander, Mark Chernoff. Those were the guys that ran uh, the fan, Westwood One, and uh, powerful people in radio. And then they wanted nothing to do with me the second time around when they brought me back from Howard Stern to CBS Sports Radio, where I've been for the last seven years. Uh, but I think I won them over because I, you know, I was able to fool them 
at the very least, into believing that I could do a clean show when you had heard me. I was the filthiest, uh, most you know, awful, disgusting, repulsive, uh, heinous, uh, just disastrous, foul-mouthed host ever on Howard Stern, which is exactly what Howard wanted from me. And then to do uh, Vatican radio, clean radio, like I do now every night on CBS Sports Radio was unthinkable. But I, I pulled it off. Because I think, Seth, I got a wife, two kids, and a mortgage, and I got to put those kids through college. So, my, my favorite example of the filthiest guy on radio is when you had me in studio filling in for you doing your show on Sirius XM. And just to show you how long ago this was, they were the Devil Rays. They weren't even the Tampa Bay Rays. And a guy called up and says, hey, you're a baseball guy. I want to know about the Devil Rays. Do you think they're going to be good? And I gave him an answer. Next caller calls up and goes, why the fuck are we talking about the fucking devil rays? <laughs> that I had never heard that on the radio. Right. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, like look, I'm no prude. You know, I've used those words. I'll use those words on the on a podcast. But it was amazing just what the boundaries were and how there really were none. There were absolutely none. It was the craziest thing ever, Seth. I mean, uh, it was the best gig I ever had in my life. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was awesome, and it was it was just it's indescribable. There was absolutely no rules, no laws, no limits, no love lost, zero censorship. I could do anything and everything I wanted. Uh, I got away with murder, and uh, it was really bad. I mean, it was it was uh, it was so awful and and beautiful at the same time. Like it was really mean and vicious and uh ruthless and uh but it was funny and uh the you know the the staff grew it went from you know me to you know uh me lou uh, sizzle seth you were doing it all the time jay berman was doing it all the time uh uh, shep uh the iron shep uh of course uh you know he would follow me to CBS as well. He went He went to CBS Sports Radio. I mean, now he's over there at Sirius uh, doing NBA radio. But he left to be a school teacher in Memphis after a few years. But he was, you know, certifiably insane. And uh, it, the whole thing was, it was crazy. I mean, the, from the porn stars to the um, no athlete that ever came in there knew what hit him. I mean, from Ronnie Lott to Lawrence Taylor to Dennis Rodman to... You name it, it was everyone. I had every famous person in the world do that show because of the lure of Howard Stern. And um, I got to tell you, it was a lot of fun. And the greatest memories of my life will be working there. I did seven years. It was a hell of a ride. And um, one thing led to another. And uh, at the end, over the last couple of years, uh, I had some you know, contract difficulties with them in terms of uh, they just, you know, Howard didn't know what he wanted to do with the channels. And, you know, that was true. Radically from when, you know, I was there and Bubba and Sadie and what it is today, uh, the woman that runs it changed everything. I think got rid of all those little, uh, one hour shows and made it more about Howard most of the channels. So I think that he was always telling me the truth that we're not sure where we're headed, but we just want to keep you. Uh, month to month and just roll with it. And I was, um, I was uncomfortable with that, Seth, uh, the month to month stuff, because I had had a beautiful contract there for five years. And then all of a sudden for two years, it was month to month. 
and I have, you know, kids and, and uh, responsibilities and things of this nature, you know what the deal is. So I eventually got an offer to go back to CBS and work with um, some great people that uh, were, you know, uh, Chris Olivero was my uh, producer at NEW in Mornings in New York. He became the head of CBS Radio. Dickey uh, was the CEO of Cumulus at the time, and I had worked for the Dickies in Atlanta, the family, for a number of years at CNN and, and did really well for them, made them a ton of money. So when they came to me and met me for lunch in uh, New York and asked me if I'd have interest, I did. And then when Chris took me to dinner and, and offered me a long-term deal to do the sports talk again, full-time, just, you know, pure sports talk, not a filthy, dirty uh, all all access, anything goes radio with porn in it and, and vulgarity and drugs and booze and gambling and all that. Uh, I chose to go back to uh, what I'm good at, which is, uh, frankly, just doing a sports talk show. And I mean, it sucks compared to uh, working at Howard Stern in terms of what I'm able to do and what I'm not able to do. But I've always believed, Seth, that if you're uh, smart, which you are, a great talent, and I feel that I have I've been very bright on the air and i'm smart enough to i believe be entertaining and funny uh is a lot harder to do that uh without being dirty than it is uh to do anything dirty i think dirty is easy i think doing a smart funny clean show is a lot harder and uh, i chose that path and i don't really regret it i have a great gig there and uh, hopefully it'll uh keep going i know i'm on in 200 grown up from when i started with like so uh, I think I do uh, what I do best on CBS Sports Radio. It's a lot better for me career-wise and job-wise than it was um, having porn stars in the studio uh, three nights a week blowing my staff. <laughs> this episode of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Business Wars, a new podcast on Wondery. We are talking about a podcast that I'm going to be listening to. So should you. There is no doubt about it. Business is war. Wondering, the fine folks at Wondering, drop you right into the thick of the action with a new show they are calling Business Wars. What's a business war? Well, think Nike Adidas. Here's a better one. Netflix versus Blockbuster. And then, of course, my favorite, if you know a little bit about me, Marvel versus DC. Can they release that episode now? There have been corporate rivalries and they're telling the full stories. Their host, David Brown, brings you the brutal, unvarnished truth behind some of history's greatest corporate brawls. It's crazy how the outcome of these battles actually shapes what we buy, how we live. You remember when you played Halo on your Xbox? That almost never happened. And what about Napster? All I know is that Prince took on Napster and then released a song on Napster. That short period of time, you could get all your music for free, and the artists got screwed. They're covering that on Business Wars. So here coming up, you're going to hear a preview of Business Wars. You'll hear how Microsoft and Bill Gates came up with the vision for Xbox. While you're listening, be sure to subscribe to Business Wars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this. All right, here we go. Let's listen to Business Wars. It's Valentine's Day in the year 2000 at Microsoft's headquarters in Redmond, Washington. Love is not in the air, 
but something that smells like fear is. Nine months ago, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates told his engineers to start work on Xbox. He worries that Sony is trying to use PlayStation to push Windows PCs out of the home. So Gates is playing both defense and offense here. He wants to stop Sony, but also use the Xbox as a first step toward putting Windows at the center of home entertainment. You see, Gates is already imagining a world where once Xbox gets into our living rooms, it doesn't just bring Windows with it, but it becomes the portal for a world where television supplies all kinds of entertainment, music, movies, and games. The question now is whether the Xbox team has actually delivered a plan that can push Sony back on its heels. Hi, this is David Brown, host of Business Wars, and I hope you enjoyed this little sampler. I'm having so much fun learning about the larger-than-life characters and the human drama behind these epic stories, and I hope you'll consider this a personal invitation to join us for more. It's really easy to do. Just subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you're listening to this. And we hope you'll tell your friends to check us out and subscribe, too. Let us hear from you, and thanks for listening. Well, let's do let's do it this way. Uh, let's talk about your current gig. First of all, uh, you're you're syndicated, so you're on a lot of stations. You've been syndicated before, and you've done national before. Um, what about listener engagement? Does social media help you with that? Does do 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 you still rely on phone calls? Like how does how has your show evolved now that you're on CBS? Well, I mean, like I said, it grew like crazy. And uh, I've just had to deal with really uh, the politics of it, of, you know, why uh, certain uh, markets uh, carry me and why others don't or what deals are in place to carry our shows and, and things of this nature. I don't really get too caught up in it. I know that at the beginning, uh, I was, you know, I was under the impression that I would have been on in New York uh, and the fan on either the AM or FM side. I thought that's where it was heading uh, so that, you know, I wouldn't have lost the New York market, which I did when I went over there. They never aired us and they still don't. And uh, that has been uh, frustrating. But after, you know, three or four years of, of that fight that I lost, uh, that, you know, they never put me on. So after three or four years, I just gave up. I just don't right. care anymore. Right. Uh, that that sucked. And then I was waiting for Sirius to pick up uh, the network for, you know, two more years and then like after about whatever it is the fifth year or sixth beginning of the sixth year or something like that they picked us up on Sirius XM on 206 so I was back on satellite you know like I had on Howard but at least I was back on satellite which meant that the show was still on all over the world it was on already in all of North America Canada and the U.S. and every city and now I'm back on in New York and I'm on everywhere in the southern hemisphere you can hear the uh show in the Caribbean laying on a beach, an Orient beach in St. Martin, uh, just as easily as you can uh, on any of the lesser Antilles islands. You can hear the Sirius XM. It's pretty cool. And then, you know, radio just doesn't do that. Uh, so I wanted to have that uh, type of reach again, which was, I thought would be huge for the show, but uh, it's been great for people that can hear me on the uh, Sirius 206 or the app. Their app is kick ass. And so people can hear me now without fail on all platforms on, you know, uh, radio.com, on iTunes, TuneIn, all that. It's on everything. And then it's on satellite and it's on radio stations. So 
Um, you know, I've seen everything happen in syndication. I've been syndicated uh, nationally for 25 of my 35 years of doing radio. So did it in LA where I was the only syndicated sports talk show in America, where I was the first uh, simulcast TV uh, radio show when I was on Sports Channel America. And they filmed me live doing the radio show out of San Francisco. I've done all that stuff. And um, it's weird. Now I see all these guys around me doing uh, TV shows uh, like, you know, Rome and and Tiki and Tierney and and, uh, Damon Amendolora do a show on uh, digital and all this other stuff. And I, you know, that's great for them. That's fantastic. They don't have that uh, relationship with me. Uh, And it's, it's funny for me because, uh, you know, I've done it. (laughs) I I have done it way before any of those people had ever done it. All of them, every single one of them. I did it before all at a high level, even MTV at a high level. And now uh, they don't have anything to do with me. Uh, So I don't, I don't do the TV end of it anymore. I think the last TV gig I, I had was, you know, the SNY gig where I was doing Daily News Live and I was doing um, uh, whatever it was called, Wheelhouse with Tierney and, and Brian Custer. That was fun and everything. And then the only show I do now regularly on television is uh, Top 10 on NFL Network. I've done for 14 years. So I like what I do. Radio show. I do Rell and the Best podcast, a sports betting show on Western One. And then, uh, you know, I don't go looking for uh, gigs or uh, pounding on doors or phone calls to networks or anything like that. I have, you know, really no interest in that. If they if they want me, they'll find me. They, they've always done that in my career. I have an agent and all that, but I don't get caught up in, in even that. Agents and trying to, you know, uh, work my way into this or that at this point. Uh, at night, I have so much fun doing it still. So the fact that I'm 35 years deep in it and I'm still enjoying uh, when, I, when the light goes on, and doing the show and that people dig it. And I've seen generations of families from grandpas to little kids, uh, you know, fall in love with the show and listen to the show their whole life. I've seen kids turn into adults and get married and have their own kids and, and have, uh, you know, divorces and grandmas and grandpas. They all listen. And, they, you know, they started listening in high school or junior high. And now they're uh, turning their kids on to me. And that people still dig it in that, you know, capacity has been uh, very flattering for me and, and very, I get a lot out of it. I, I enjoy that I've stood the test of time and people dig me across time and generations and years and decades and uh, people still think I'm a badass doing it. And so I guess when I turn into an old, decrepit, uh, sucky host that people make yeah. fun of, uh-huh. uh, that's when I'll walk away. I'm not I'm interested, sure. uh, Seth, in doing the show much past 65. I know people uh, say that I won't, you know, stick to that, but uh, I'm 53 and I really, I've done it so long. I can't really see myself, to be honest with you, doing it more than about 11 years, 12 years maximum. Uh, I know guys that do it till they're 70, 75. Howard's uh, doing it way past his retirement. Uh, That's not my thing. Uh, I'm not that guy. I play basketball and uh, that's all I love is playing basketball. Every day of my life, I play basketball. I play on a championship team, and I really have more fun uh, playing basketball than I do going to work. Uh, and I'd rather uh, retire and go live in the Caribbean, and I think uh, start smoking weed again. And maybe I haven't drank in like dying that way, happy with a tan. This episode of Sports with Friends is brought to you by BovadaSportsbook.com. 
You have heard me talking about these guys for a while. If you've listened to the past couple of episodes, you know how I know the guys at Bavada. Not only are they doing great jobs coming up with games like the Casino Welcome Bonus or the Poker Welcome or the Refer a Friend 200% for your friend's first deposit up to $100. Not only are they doing all that, I have history with these guys. I could tell you for hours and hours all my stories about how I know these guys. So when I tell you that I believe in them, I believe that this is a safe option for online gambling. Legal gambling is in new territory. There are a lot of options, and there are a lot of things that people are telling you that I'm not sure you can confirm. Well, all I can tell you is I confirm. All I can tell you is I can confirm this. Raise your game with Bovada. The NFL playoff games, the divisional playoffs are coming up this week. Follow Bovada online all the way through the Super Bowl. And don't forget their connections to UFC. I'm talking about my friends at Bovada. You can find out all the information at BovadaSportsbook.com. All right, now back to the show. You, you, you mentioned, you know, Howard Stern a couple of times. You mentioned Imus. Um, you're talking about heavyweights, you, you iconic guys. I, I find it interesting that you, when you talk about who, you know, your mentors were in radio, you don't talk about sports guys. There's no, there's, it's not a sports thing. It's, it's, you learn the craft of radio and you have this passion for radio. And that, that's what I've always been fascinated with because there are very few that, that is a dying breed. Most people who get into sports radio now, they do it because they love sports, not the radio part. Yeah. You know, uh, it's fascinating that you uh, see it that way. And I think you're, uh, I think you're right. And you're really, uh, well, I've always loved you, Guido. You're a bright guy, and I think you figured it out and figured me out. I certainly am that guy. Uh, there's no getting around it. I wanted to be um, I wanted to be different and unique, and uh, I wanted to stand out. I wanted to uh, be excellent at radio. Uh, I love the theater of the mind. Uh, I like being, uh, you know, clever and funny and crazy and wild and over the top and edgy and all things, uh, you know, created equal, throw it all into the uh, blender. And, uh, you know, I only really, I mean, there's a lot of people uh, that I, that I like that do this. Uh, you're one of them. Uh, there's a million people I think are talented uh, that do great shows, Rome, all of them. Uh, there's guys uh, that I admire greatly uh, that do it. And I like, I'm friends with so many JT to brick. There's a million guys, yeah, uh, yeah. silly, all these guys. We'll have him makers. on the podcast uh, too. Yeah. I mean, Obi and Anthony, uh, I, I really, uh, there was just so many people along the way, but, um, you know, that I, that I root for and that I, uh, admire what they do. And, and I think they're very accomplished and great and well-spoken and, and very entertaining in their own right. A lot of comedians I've worked with, um, you know, actors um, on all levels of uh, movies uh, and, and television, a big screen or otherwise TV shows. Uh, I get a kick out of everyone. I, I enjoy uh, those people as much as I enjoy athletes or talking to sports people. But you're right. I never uh, I never really like I said, when I was a little boy, I liked uh, Howard Cosell. But there's so many people that do it that are sportscasters that I'm friends with that I like that are. You know, from Tim Brando to Raftery to all these guys, 
that I know that do it uh, on a high level that have been on my show. Iron Eagle, it goes on. I know you're friends with him. A million, mm-hmm. a million guys, a million NHL guys, because I did NHL play by play. Um, and just, you know, basketball, NBA, college, everyone knows me because of, you know, my love of sports. But I definitely uh, admire uh, Howard Stern more than anyone. Uh, I love Dimas. I kind of have the front end. And, and, you know, obviously Howard Stern wasn't at the fan uh, at that time. Uh, so, you know, he was doing a different thing, you know, with the NBC and, and which became the fan and all this other stuff. And I was doing you know, WFAN, and I was doing mornings on NEW against Howard. I think that's when he uh, knew of me. I had his agent was my agent, Don Buckwald. So I think that's where it all started, where he uh, called me one day and asked me if I'd be interested in going with him to uh, Sirius and doing a dirty sports show. He wanted me to bring millions of men to him, uh, like, you know, Moses leading the people through the desert. I think that uh, that was my job. And I did it well, but there's no one I look up to more than him. I think he's the greatest talent ever, the greatest interviewer ever, and one of the coolest people I ever met. And I'm just lucky and blessed that I was able to work for him. And, um, I, you know, I guess I got, you figured it out, but I got high standards. I, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I worked for the best ever. And uh, everybody else, it uh, doesn't really matter what place they come in, does it? When you, when you work for him, else not the ones popping the champagne cork with the pretty girl at the end of the tour de france getting laid howard is <laughs> that's a great 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 run right um, like i would have loved them um you know i think a lot of people there suck its balls all day and i was not that guy i was just pharrell and uh, when i saw him i high-fived him and when i partied with him at his wedding whatever um you know i danced with him and laughed with him and uh blue farts with him we both had fistula surgeries on our rectums, which made us, uh, you know, basically asshole brothers, which was really cool. And, you know, to, to both have a bleeding ass and have, you know, fissures, uh, that's something you can only uh, share with close friends. But um, <laughs> he used to let me do my show from home in my home studio when I had all my ass surgeries. So we have a special bond together rectally. You got me. You got me. <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. And then you got me. Guido, you got to start doing the show again because, like, I thought they put me on. I'll come on your show. You know, sidekicks ever on the show. Uh, I think they would love having you on the show again. So we'll get you back on the show. I was always under the guise that you were working for all these communists and that they wouldn't <laughs> let you on um, CBS. No, no, you know, I, guys at CBS are, have they... always been nice to me. I go on there. I, I've been on Amy's show. I've been on. Uh, John Kincaid, Jody McDonald. I've done a bunch of the CBS shows. JJ does my show a lot, but now they, I got JT doing shows there now. JT the Brick, he was at Fox for a long time, but like, you know how it is. At ESPN, they don't let any of their talent go on other networks. Um, Sure, sure. And uh, it it was the same way uh, at all of them. Fox Sports Radio, crazy about the talent and where they go on and everything. So I just don't, I don't play those games. And I've had to deal with a lot of it. and then a lot of people that like even hate CBS, uh, they refuse to go on CBS at all ever. Brando's one of them, and uh, and you know uh, life's too short, man. Scott Miller, you know him. He he also sure. can't stand them. Uh, but they go on my show because I've got you know 20, 30 year relationships with these people, so I've been able to break that barrier a little bit. But uh, got to get you back on the bench. I'll come on anytime, anytime. Hey, let's do a couple minutes on sports before we uh before we wrap this up. 
Um, what what I remember is you were always a big hockey guy. Do you not do hockey now because I don't know on syndicated radio everything's so compartmentalized and everybody wants as much NFL and NBA talk as possible. Like, how does it work for you on the show? And are you still as much a hockey fan? Uh, I still love hockey, and I talk more hockey than anyone uh, on radio in America. I know that much. And uh, guys might talk hockey, but they don't talk it the way I talk it. And they certainly don't, uh, in my view, know it the way I know it or have been on the inside the way I've been. So I love it, and I still talk about it. What I do is I do less of it, you know what I mean? So I'll do uh, one fat segment a night about it, uh, you know, where I talk about what's going on in the league, who's hot, who's not, who's winning, who isn't, who's, you know, injured, uh, it, you know, if there's any, you know, shenanigans going on deals otherwise uh mostly i do it after the turn of the year like so uh now that we're into uh, the new year i i you know it's the the season really begins for me like after january 1st i know all those early season games count with points and everything but i'm big on you know january to april see who makes it and then when the stanley cup playoffs start i go off on it every night and just you know flip out i still have but i talk way less of it there's no doubt i talk way more nba and uh, certainly more uh, football, college, and pro. Uh, they love all of that. And, you know, I talk baseball a lot uh, still. I love it, but it's, you know, baseball to me and sports radio has uh, kind of started dying. We talk about it like it uh, matters that much to the sports radio audience. I think they're kidding themselves because I could have uh, full slate of games in baseball every night of the week uh, during the, you know, let's say August. And if I talk baseball for four hours, I'll have at least three people stick a gun in their mouth in their garage and blow their heads off because it's just boring. Uh, I'm not really uh, into all the exit velocity and all these angles and shifts and everything else. That's for uh, MLB Network. They had me over there once, uh, at least. I did a show. I'm sure I upset Joel Sherman, but he's a pussy anyway, so what's the difference? Oh, I mean, my goodness. So I go over there. I get everybody all worked up like I used to with you on SNY. And then uh, everybody wants me gone and uh, the audience loves it. And the audience is laughing and saying, did he just say that? And all the guys that are sitting there doing the show with me are like, do we have to put up with this? And uh, I don't go on TV to be boring. I go on to be entertaining and I'm good at it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm not on TV is because usually when I go do a TV show, I take over. I mean, I didn't get on Letterman twice because I suck. So uh, I've been on every network known to man. And uh, most of them are pussies, and they can't handle a guy like me. That's all there is to it. <laughs> um, what about uh, the NFL and the resurgence with the with the viewership? Um, do you have a thought on you know why why suddenly the league is actually doing better? Um, what was your theory on why the league was struggling before? And you know what do you make of the fact that you know the NFL seemingly having a resurgence here? I think there was a window of where uh, the game sucked and the product sucked and the players weren't as, uh, frankly, as exciting as some of the new crop are proving to be. I think that the league had its issues with, um, you know, protest and anthems and the politics of that hurt for, I think, a year, a uh, year and a half or something like that. And then guys like, uh, I think, Mayfield changed uh, the league and made it more uh, exciting. Renegade and entertained, and uh, they want 
you know, playoff games to be like that Eagle Bear game coming down to a, a kick and it hits the upright and crossbar. And then, you know, they don't want to watch a fan of the other team or, you know, beer spilled on you, but you're never guaranteed of a great game or an entertaining game or the result that you're looking for. Results are never guaranteed in tickets, but I think the league is uh, exciting again because of uh, Mahomes and because of, you know, what the Rams were doing for 12 weeks. And the more they score, the more they dance, the more they celebrate, the more they uh, do their end zone uh, parties. Uh, and the more they let the fans in on that, uh, the more successful it is. And then when they spend uh, their entire existence talking about political things and uh, anthems and, and, you know, our nation, our flag, our military, Turning it into a Republican-Democrat uh, war on sports, uh, you see what happens. It ruined the NFL for a year, and it should have never happened. And I felt their protest was totally legit, and it was dead right, and it was worthy of what it, uh, you know, meant to the world. But it ruined me, and uh, I thought it ruined a year, but. I mean, uh, it's not a problem anymore, it would appear to me. And I never think that the NFL is going anywhere except up fiscally. Um, it'll be a 20, 30, 50, $100 billion business by the time I'm in the ground. You don't think that uh, the NFL should be concerned about concussions, though? I do think it, it should be uh, concerned about it and CTE for sure. I think that is definitely a problem, uh, but uh, it is what it is. It's a violent, fast uh, it's a, you know, car wreck sport where pain is delivered. That's why I call it pain day. It's, uh, we want to see people get lit up, jacked up, uh, nailed, uh, pile driven, uh, cheap shotted, uh, body whipped, body slammed. Uh, it's no different than watching WWE your whole life, smoking a bong and eating a bag of Doritos. You want to see somebody get thrown around. It's no different than watching I live to watch Tom Brady on his ass. If the day I watch that guy getting thrown around like the Giants did to him twice in the Super Bowl is what it's all about. And, you know, pain day delivers always. When they tried to make it soft with all these stupid-ass rules they have now, you can't tackle anybody, you can't hit any quarterbacks, and everything's a, a personal foul. I think all the flags and refs. I mean, I, I truly believe the NFL has a problem right now with the refs. Uh, their own entity, their own refs, I think the game has become more about refs than it has about football. I think we watch rep television every Sunday and there's 50 million flags thrown and reviews and it stalls and delays and, and, and bores the viewer. I think I want to see, you know, two minute offense. I want to see no huddle. I want to see points and I want to see cheerleaders and I want to see fans uh, flipping out and having fun. And I want to see snow games, rain games, mud games. I want to see everything. Uh, but I don't, uh, I don't care about all that. But they're trying to pr protect people, and it, it's in a sport that I think a technology like my buddy uh, owns X Tech shoulder pads, things like the shoulder pads, things like the helmets, uh, the technology inside those pieces of equipment. I think can, you know, revolutionize and change the sport and keep guys from having so many concussions. But You've heard it before, Guido. You, you know what you're getting into. You know what you signed up for when you have a lifetime of, of football and hits. Uh, you've had, you know, multiple car wrecks is basically what you've been in when you're uh, dealing with the sport of football. So if you play hockey, you play football, you're going to get 
jacked up and lit up and hit uh, every day and you're going to be sore most days of the month and it is what it is but that fat million dollar deal paycheck and rollover years and guaranteed money is why they do it i don't believe they actually play for rings or trophies anymore uh everyone that signs up to play in the pain day pros does it for the money and uh there's a 100 guarantee that that's accurate i don't believe anyone that tells me that they do it for rings or legacy like ad or anything else they do it to make money and there's no guy in the nba playing that uh, doesn't want a super max deal and there's no guy in the nfl that doesn't want guaranteed money in their contract now in the first two rounds so it's all about money it's big business and i want to watch touchdowns i don't want to watch fat referees do anything to ruin my day which is what they do every week referees suck i hate referees in all sports and if you're a rep i hate you too <laughs> um all right last thing last thing because i know people will ask me on twitter where does Guido come from? I'm well, not Italian. I remember I'm the... not, I'm not Italian. I have no, I'm a, I'm a Jewish kid from Jersey. How did I get Guido? Well, I mean, you, you are <laughs> as Jewish as could be, and God bless you for it. And, uh, but to see you with a big old uh, piece of ice on your neck, pimping uh, with the shirt open and rocking the, I mean, you just were fully engaged <laughs> and rocking. And I was like, Guido. Boom, done. And that was it. So in my life, uh, <laughs> everyone has a nickname. And if you remember my show, everyone has Barber High, Iron Shep, uh, Shepherd's Pie, everyone, everyone in my basketball world that I play with, uh, 50 plus guys I play in this huge league, a national league. Everyone's got nicknames all the time for all people. You name it. Uh, this one kid, his name is um, Elijah. And one day he, he lied through his teeth on a ball that rolled off his leg out of bounds. So I call him liar now. His nickname is <laughs> liar and not Elijah. So everyone's got a nickname. And the ones that don't have nicknames crave nicknames. One kid uh, told me his name was Conico, and I've named him Quantico. And so Quantico is, I think, on all those TV shows where it, it, like Langley and Quantico, where they where the CIA right, right. rolls right, in the right, Pentagon. Right. So everyone's got a nickname. Guido came from the day I saw you just pimping the hairy chest. If I remember, I, I, I remember the day. I remember it was, um, I was in Cleveland. You were in studio. We were on SNY. I was in Cleveland in 07 for the uh, the uh, the Red Sox Indians ALCS. Right. And I remember it being warm. That's all I remember is being warm. And I had a jacket on and I wanted to take the jacket off. And I had, I don't, I, I had a necklace. I don't know why I was wearing a necklace, but I had a necklace and my shirt, the button was open and I, but you can't, you know, when you go on live from these events, you don't see yourself. So nobody said anything in the camera. And all of a sudden Pharrell is in my earpiece going, Guido, Guido, what, what, what are you doing? Guido. And I'm like, what, what, what's he saying? What, 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 what is this lunatic doing? And yeah, talk about something sticks. That's over 10 years ago. Yeah, I remember, and it was really funny, and then uh, it stuck from that point forward. Everyone in the studio in New York freaked out. They were all laughing, and they thought it was great. And uh, Well, and then they know. screen grabbed it, and then they screen grabbed it, and they would put it on every time I did a phoner. I know. So Guido, it worked, and uh, it, it, it goes down in infamy because uh, I still call you Guido, and uh, you have been uh, notorious. We're still friends, yeah. Uh, a legend on uh, every network, Howard Stern, and on uh, the Howard Channel, and on CBS Sports Radio. 
to this day, long before uh, anyone else, I called you Guido. And so uh, <laughs> it made it through, uh, you know, the combine and, and, and it made it to the next level. So Guido has stuck and, and you've been able to roll with that nickname uh, infam- infamously ever since. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so glad we got to reconnect. Uh, New Year's resolution 2019. We've got to do more together. You got to come back on this show. You'll do. I'll come on your show. I remember the one time we were in Disney World and we were in the elevator. Do you remember that? We were in the yeah, elevator. I, I ran into you at, you at the uh, at Disney World in an elevator in my hotel. Is that correct? Yep. And my, I remember I think I think it was my girlfriend now my wife. But I was in my and I'm like, I know that guy. She's like, you don't know that guy. I'm like, I know that guy. And I was like, Guido. And uh, and you freaked out that you saw me down there. I uh, I was, not believe it. You know, I took my kids to the Magic Kingdom, which is basically a prison sentence. Of uh, you know, <laughs> and all I know is uh, I ran into you in an elevator at the resort I was staying in. I had a big suite there. I remember uh, a lot of people uh, from down in uh, the area. Of the, you know, Orlando. Friends that were down there, they all came over to that hotel, and uh, we went to dinner in a sports bar in that hotel. If you remember, they had a big sports bar down in the basement of that hotel. And then uh, I had a party uh, in my suite. Uh, and my wife and kids didn't like it, but I didn't care what they thought. And I had <laughs> guys came over that I knew uh, that were had worked on the show or were friends of the show, and everyone got hammered. Uh, and behaved poorly around a lot of children at the Magic Kingdom. And uh, it was embarrassing for everyone in my family. But uh, again, I did not care. And I was glad that I am. Well, you are the man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I love that we had a chance to do this. And uh, like I said, uh, anytime I will return the favor. Uh, Let's just let's just keep in touch, man. I can't believe that I was able to even figure this out. And I was able to uh, find a way to make this work on this computer, honestly, because I have. <laughs> well, like I told you off the air, I said there are plenty of dumber people. If you look at the past guest list, plenty of dumber people that have figured it out. Well, I'm just glad it worked. I hope, I hope it didn't sound too bad, man. All right, uh, Guido, I love you. I'll catch up again soon. You got it. That is Scott Farrell. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. You're listening to Sports with Friends. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go, and then you'll know for me to stay. I got to be me. Smile. Come on, please. I'm gone. Forget reaching me by phone. Because I promise I'll be gone for a while. When you see me again, I hope that you have been the kind of person that you really are now. We got to get in straight. How could I ever be late when you're my woman taking up my time?